Thanks for clicking play on the East Lake Tri-Cities Talks podcast. If you're new to this, we're trying to be the best church option for people in the Tri-Cities who aren't typically into church. We hope today's talk inspires you to take next steps in doing life in the way Jesus modeled and taught. If you're ever interested in being a part of one of our in-person gatherings, they take place every Sunday at the Uptown Theater in Richland. Check the website for current times. And regardless of what you look like, who you voted for, or where your tattoos are, we'd love to have you. But for now, here's our most recent talk. Oh, man. I I was kind of trying to collect myself as I was walking up first service because I was inside chuckling and I completely lost everything I wanted to start with. Like that one sentence that like opens everything up as you prepare for something like that one sentence that gets everyone, I couldn't think of it. Totally just brain fart. Oh man, like Jenny said, my name is Jeffrey Chambers and I, uh, I was the area director of Tri-Cities, but I've got some adventures coming my way over these next couple months and I'm super, super pumped for that. Um, and it's crazy, every time I've been asked to, uh, to, to share a sermon or to come to a church and, and give the message, um, it's crazy how God always is trying to find a way to work uh, through that. And as I've been preparing this message, when me and Brent spoke a, a couple of weeks back, um, I was, was going, th- I'm going through something right now. Like, I, I'm going to just be like super raw and real with you. Like, I wrote this, and I'll be honest, I'm going to probably read a lot of it because I wrote it for myself. Um, you heard Tri-Cities, and I'm, I'm actually transitioning. I'm leaving the area. I loved it. Bulmer, somewhere in here is the dude who brought me out here. Thank you so much. That's my guy. I don't know where he's at. I can't see anybody. Um, Vollmer brought me out here from Chelan uh, to come and work alongside him and do a young life. And uh, man, it was the greatest experience to get to work with this guy. And, uh, but now God's calling me to go do something crazy ridiculous, to go be a lead pastor of a church. Like, What? Uh, and start another area of young life out in the Okanagan, Omak Valley. But I I think as God has been preparing my heart over these last couple months, God's had to remove some things from my life that were my sticking point. It was the things that was, I was finding myself getting in trouble in. And it all stems from my, my childhood. It all stems from uh, past trauma. And I didn't recognize that until like, these last couple years, because these last couple years, it's been kind of crazy, right? Like, I don't even want to say the word, right? These last couple years have just been super weird, right? With everything going on in this crazy world. And as a Christian, I'm trying to navigate how to love, how to be involved, how to lean in, when to be, like, stand tall and firm, uh, when to, to, to show humility and humble myself. And I've sucked at it, like, completely. Like, been terrible. And so as I've been preparing this message, I started thinking about my childhood. And it dawned on me, sitting with my counselor, like, this is why I'm such a butt, right? First off, I'm a military brat, retired military. My mother was, uh, for whatever reason, decided to join the military when she was 17 years old. And then married some dude from Alabama uh, who decided, hey, I want to go open a restaurant in California. Like, what? Okay, so I have a, a mother who's half the time gone on a base or for trainings, and I got a father who owns a restaurant, and I'm the, the middle child, so I already have a complex, okay? 
And from my complex, they're like, hey, we can't take care of you. We're going to ship you off to your grandparents in Seaside, California. And I'm like, great, okay? You're going to ship me off to my mom's parents who are from the old country, they're Lithuanian, and it's totally not my culture, and you're going to have me live there. But, but during that time, a couple things happened. I, I fell in love with my grandfather. Oh, man, he was a fisherman. He played bocce ball. He told the greatest stories. Some of those stories revolved Budweiser and Camel cigarettes. There is a point to this. About a block and a half from my parents' house was a, a place called Mel's Market. It was a little corner market. Polish family owned it that knew my family. And my grandfather, like, it was clockwork. Every Friday after a long week, he would give me a note, and I'd go down to Mel's Market. And I'd get some snacks, but I'd also get some beer and some cigarettes. Now, you got to remember, this is in the 80s, okay? You could do that back then. Now, I don't see any parent giving a kid a note going to the store, right? But over the, the years of doing this for, for like five years, as a, a seven, eight-year-old going to the store with a note, there was never any money involved. He would literally hand me the note, and I would go down, and I would talk with Mel, and we would chat, and I'd pick out my snacks, and he'd, put, he'd say, put it on my tab. And I never understood what put it on my tab meant. And that's why, as I was preparing this, that was what stuck out to me uh, from my childhood, is put it on my tab. And then I remember later in life when my, my parents got divorced and we struggled my, as a single mom with three kids who were pain in the butts and ate everything in the house. There was a lot of times we were broke. But Mel, we, we knew we could always go to Mel's market and he'd say the same thing, put it on my tab. From household goods to food. And I remember when I was 20, around 22 years old, 23 years old, I went there to go get me my hoagie Meatball sub, loved it. Mel, why would you love my family the way you love my family? He said, Jeff, grace. And I never understood as a non-believer, didn't grow up in a Christian home, didn't know Jesus till I was 30. I never understood what that word grace meant until I got to meet Jesus. So this morning, we're going to hear about grace, the grace that Paul is asking to extend from one man to another. You see, the letter of the Apostle Paul to Philemon is a gospel masterpiece. It is perhaps the most intimate and individual book of the New Testament. The other books of the New Testament are addressed to churches, to organizations, to, to people who are leaders. But Philemon was none of that. He was just a regular dude who owned a business. Part of Philemon's business was he owned slaves. He worked land. But this is the crazy thing. It is the most intimate letter. It is the most personal letter. It is in some ways the most moving of all writings of the Apostle Paul. In this letter, Paul is seeking to reconcile two men which had one, that he had one to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. As, as a as a young life guy, for those that are, I know there's some young life folks in here. As a young life guy, when a kid says yes to Jesus, like you get some like, oh man, like I can think of kids right now 
that had said yes to Jesus. And I get to watch them walk that faith out. And this is Paul with these two men walking out their faith. But he's writing this letter to this one individual. Paul is seeking to reconcile these two men, which had he won to faith. In this book, Paul is bringing these two men together. We see how Christianity applies to a social issue. I want you to keep your place in Philemon and turn with me to the books of Galatians. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'm reading out of the NIV. Don't ask me why. It's the one I grabbed as I was leaving the house. Oh my goodness, there it goes again. Popcorn. I heard someone was making popcorn. Galatians chapter 3, I'm going to start at verse 23. Before the coming of his faith, of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the laws was our guardian until Christ came that that would meet that, oh my God, came that we might be justified by faith. I'm going to skip down to 28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor there is male or female. You are all one in Christ. And it's the simple idea that we have been justified through Jesus Christ, not trapped by the the rules and regulations of the world, but instead we are given a grace. We are given this hope in something bigger than this world has to offer. And what Paul is asking this individual to extend that grace. Neither Jew nor Gentile, slave or free. There is a statement of power of Jesus Christ is resolving these issues. The book of Philemon in the New Testament, uh, commentary of the Bible principle. Here we see the efforts of Paul to reconcile a runaway slave and that and his offended master. The power of Christ is to transform relationships. Master, slave. And as we read this text this morning, Paul is going to give a charge to a brother in Christ to live his faith out through forgiveness. Let us read. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphiai, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home, grace and peace to you from God, our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I heard about your love for all his holy people and your faith in Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, Although in Christ, I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do. Yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is no other than Paul, the old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in change. Formerly, it was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both of us. I am setting him who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him so I could take take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I do not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do 
you would do seem, wouldn't seem forced, but voluntarily. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer a slave, better than a slave, but as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dear to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity as we just get to sit here and look at this beautiful letter that was written. And maybe, just maybe, a little conviction will come from our hearts of what are, what's holding us back, Lord, this morning. Just be with us. In your son's amazing name we pray. Amen. Paul led this gentleman, Onesimus, to faith. And so what Paul is asking is he is asking Philemon to do something that makes no sense if you own slaves. It makes no sense. You have to understand this guy Onesimus, who decided to run away, was a slave of Philemon. Most likely he stole something, some money, some jewelry, some, a horse maybe, some food, and, and dipped and went to Rome. And while he was in Rome, he probably got eaten up by the world. And he found himself in jail for a divine appointment to meet Paul. And Paul is sitting here sharing the gospel with this kid. And it says that he came to faith. Philemon didn't know any of that. So as Paul is sitting here writing, beginning with verse one, Paul, a prisoner, it's, it's saying, hey, this is where I'm at right now, Philemon. I need you to really understand and listen to what I'm about to tell you. And I'm thinking as Philemon is reading this, this letter that Onesimus brought to him, and this wasn't the only letter. He also brought a letter to Ephesus and a letter to Colossians because the church that they're talking about here is in Colossians. And, and it's his home church. But specifically to Philemon, he's saying, take these letters, read them out, and, and let me paint this picture for you. You have Philemon reading the letter, his bride, his son, the home church, and, and peeking through the windows, the slaves. You point the picture of who is in that circle of hearing this message. I, I love what Paul is sitting here saying about Philemon. When he says, you are refreshing. I don't know if those slaves think that. You bring me such joy. What about the slaves out there? And so Paul is making this plea to him. Grace to you and peace from God, your father, the Lord Jesus. I thank you making mention of these prayers, hearing the love and faith which you have. Now I'm gonna ask you to do something that is radically different than what you're used to doing. He is asking him, to live his faith out. Faith describes your relationship with God, your Godward life. Paul is asking Philemon, he says that the communication of your faith is gonna be shown in how you respond to this letter. 
In secret, I, I, I can guarantee it, the way that Paul describes Philemon, in secret, in his inner being, in his dwelling, on, on his own, away from everyone, in his prayer closet, in his time with the Lord, I bet you he forgave Philemon. Easy. Done. But to the outside, to the people that he has to answer to, his wife, the slaves, his church, How, how do you live that out? He, he's living out his godly life. It says, you are refreshing. Paul is saying, you are refreshing, meaning that everything about you, Philemon, is beautiful and is joyful, and I can see God in you. I can see your love for Christ. I can see the Holy Spirit working through you. But now I'm gonna ask you to live this faith out in front of man. I don't, I don't know about you, but... To ask me to forgive someone who has wronged me or hurt me. As I was talking with my counselor and trying to figure out my, my past hurt and trauma of, of abandonment, of neglect, of being left. Like, how do you forgive that? Like, but as a Christian, we're called to. We're called to love one another. We're, we're, we're called to forgive one another. And, and I, I, I have to think that as, as Philemon is sitting here saying, Paul, I love you. I want, I, want, I want a relationship with you, Paul. But man, you are asking me to forgive someone who, who stole from me, ran away from me. Paul, if I forgive him, what do you think the other slaves are going to do? What is their reaction? What's the recourse? I'm going to be slaveless? I got this whole property, this whole land I got to take care of. But Paul, man, but the beauty of this letter, as, as I was studying and reading, is Philemon entered, had him enter in. He told his wife, prepare a room for him. The wife is like, what, what do you mean? He ain't going back into the bunkhouse? I don't know if you guys have been watching Yellowstone, but you see the haves and the have-nots, right? You see the big house, and you see the bunkhouse. Like, I can't have him eat at my table. But now he's your brother. I don't want to spoil it for you, but Rip, you're my son now. Rip, I gave you an identity. Onesimus, my friend, you are no longer a slave to your, your sin. Live free. Live under my roof. We read about Onesimus in the 10th verse. Onesimus, we will call a reclaimed slave. Now, I've already shared a picture of this, but this is the crazy thing. His name, Onesimus, means something. In the Bible, it means unprofitable, useless. Even Paul says that in verse 11. Onesimus, this one name, profitable, was unprofitable. He was useless. Think about a parent who is naming his, his, his name, though, means useful. So think of that hope-filled parent that is trapped as a slave, finding, trying to find hope in their kid to name him something beautiful, something different. A hope-filled parent had named their son Onesimus profitable. You know, he never lived up to his name. He never became what his name ought to be. 
It's, it's funny, I, I think of names uh, just recently, uh, two years ago, my wife and I, we, we gave birth to an amazing son, uh, David. And we were talking and thinking of names, and we, were, we wanted to like, we kind of wanted a biblical name just to look, be that fancy group, like, look at us, we named our kids something in the Bible, right? Like, we were thinking that, but we also wanted to make it super personable, like, it means something to us. And so we, we were researching names, and the name David means beloved. And, and the series in which we, were, we had our kid was through the, only a miracle. It, it was nothing natural. It was, it was all inspired by God. It was a 10 years in the making of having a child and finally being blessed with this little guy, David. So we called him beloved. But I wanted to take it a step further because I'm going to be honest, like, I didn't have the greatest childhood. I, don't, it's not, I didn't take my father's name. And I don't, my dad's like, I don't know who he is, right? But there was a gentleman, kind of like Paul. Paul would always take these young, young lads and he would train them up and equip them and send them out. And there was this, this guy that I met 10 years ago. His name is Dave Colding. I call him my father. I embrace him like he's my father. I talk to him. I call him dad. And I want to name my son after that. I wanted, he was a Christian. He was, he loved Jesus. Everything he, him and his wife it, it exuded was Jesus. I, I'm like, man, I hope I can live up to this. We see names in the Bible. Jesus was an ordinary name. He made it amazingly beautiful. Then there's Judas, whose name meant praise. He took a noble name, a mighty name, and stained it. Brought shame to it. Here was a man whose life had been unprofitable. That's a picture. It's not a condition, though. The brokenness of Onesimus could be could be saved. He could find hope. And he found that through Paul. So what Paul is asking is to receive, receive Onesimus as you would receive me. Bring him into your home. Love on him like a brother. There's a power there. Because my, my question is, I was reading this and I was thinking of Paul in chains, but still joyful. Prisoner, but still wanting to share the gospel. And I, I had to think to myself, like, if I was in prison, I would have nothing good to say. I wouldn't sit here and be like, oh, I would be dreading it, right? And so I started thinking about my life of what's been holding me in from sharing the gospel fully and freely anywhere and everywhere I go. What stops me? It's crazy because I have to do it as a job. I can clock in and clock out. But do I do it to my neighbor? Do I do it to my wife? Do I love like Jesus loved? If people were to enter my home, would they see that I love my wife the way Jesus loves his people? They'd be like, oh, look at that. Or they're like, this dude is a what? My question this morning, one of the questions I have for you this morning, if Onesimus had come into contact with you, would you have won him to Christ? If his past had crossed yours, would you be like, what is different about you? And that, that, that to me stood out. And, and what Paul is saying is now that he is reclaimed, now that he has purpose, now that he is loved by the, the amazing Lord Jesus Christ, now that he is in the fold, now that he has a namesake, now that he is a son, receive him like a brother. 
I, I don't know about you guys or where you're at this morning, but forgiveness for me is I'm still working on it. What's even worse than that is like if, if someone needs to forgive, like I, someone's asked, I have to ask someone for forgiveness, that's even, even, it's even more prideful, right? Like I wasn't wrong. I don't need to ask for forgiveness. Like what I've learned over these last couple of years is like, dude, I suck at that. Sometimes I feel like I'm Onesimus, like I'm too afraid to go and ask. When Paul asked him like, hey, go give it to Philemon and, and, and re-engage this conversation, this relationship, I, I sometimes wonder, the Bible doesn't say it, but in my head, me personally, myself, I'd be like, uh-uh, uh-uh. I know I messed up. There is no way you're gonna catch me asking for forgiveness. I'm gonna act like it never happened. I'm gonna dip. Like, honestly, like, that's pride. That's arrogance. Like, I'm too good for that. And, and that's where I feel like God has just met me in this passage of like, there's stuff that I'm harboring and I know there's stuff I need to ask for forgiveness. The problem is, man, I'm so scared. I'm scared because, man, if I go and I ask, try to ask for forgiveness, will they, will they accept it? Was my hurt to them so bad that they, they can't accept it? Or those folks that maybe come to me, will I give it and receive them back in? I feel like that's the struggle in this, this passage. But what we see is Paul, an individual who was given grace on a road by Jesus, a persecutor of Christians, holding the cloaks of those killing Stephen, one of the disciples, was forgiven, was brought back into the fold, was loved. If this dude can ask for forgiveness, I, I think I can. Because of Paul being brought back in and, ha- and finding redemption, Paul is able to, to make disciples out of, make disciples out of, out of non-believers and walk alongside of them. This beautiful doctrine of reconciliation. Here we see how Jesus deals with the damage of sin. If we look at verse 12, and it's just beautiful. I am sending him who is my very heart back to you. This, this very heart idea of what Paul is talking about is, I have poured into him. I have spent time with him. I have loved him. I have mentored him. I've shared the gospel with him. I've given him hope. And now he knows to be fully wrapped in this grace I have to go make amends. Even in his unworthy stance, Onesimus is saying, I am willing to go. There's something about being reconciled. I want to finish this morning uh, about that. Because in in this book of Philemon, Paul says three different times, Receive Onesimus, receive Onesimus. receive him as you would receive me. And as I was finishing the study and getting ready for this weekend, it brought me to a beautiful, beautiful image of reconciliation. Maybe you are here this morning and I don't know, maybe there's someone that you got to forgive. Maybe you got to forgive yourself 
of putting this, the, the junk of the world and the expectations, and you got to say, God, just take this from me. I don't need to carry it. You said you would carry it for me, so I'm going to give it to you. Maybe that's why you're here this morning, because you need to do that. You need to just release whatever you're struggling with. Or maybe there's unforgiveness in your heart that you're like, I don't want you. This person did this to me. Or maybe the neighbor at work who chews too loud, and you just, you're angry every time you see him eat lunch. I don't know. It could be something simple like that. I know sometimes it's the way my kid eats food. I'm like, oh, gosh. And I have to ask him forgiveness. Like, I get it. You're two years old. You eat like a pig. Whatever the forgiveness, the size, the issue. Or maybe it's, it's you are just holding on because you know you're supposed to be asking someone for forgiveness. And you don't know how they're going to receive it. And as I was finishing this, I I found this beautiful passage in in John chapter 21. This passage, I'm going to just set up really quick as we end. Jesus warns Peter, you are going to deny me three times. Three times, Peter, you're going to deny me. Peter, you say you're my man. You say you love me. You say you're in it with me. You say you'd go out on a hill with me but you're going to deny me three times, kid. Peter was heartbroken. When that rooster crowed that time and and Peter heard it and he was like, oh, he's right. When I used to call out my Lord, my Lord, my Lord, now I've just forsaken you. I shunned you. I don't know about you, but have you ever been disowned or felt like you, you don't belong? Or someone doesn't claim you as a friend? Man, yeah, how many times? Like, it stings. It sucks. Jesus understands that pain. So he did something so beautiful to reinstate who who Peter was. John chapter 21, verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Jesus said, and and, and he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? (laughs) Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus wanted to reinstate Peter the same way Paul is wanting to reinstate Onesimus to his brother Philemon. This simple act of reconciliation for Christians, and I'm not going to speak for everybody, but I am going to speak for myself as a Christian. That is the hardest part of being a Christian is reconciliation because it's ugly and hurts hurts run deep. Wrongs matter. It is saying that God loves you just as much as he loved Jesus. You are just as loved as Jesus. You are near to God just as Jesus. 
this idea that he is the redeemer, we are accepted, we have access. We've already been justified. We've already found faith through him. And the command of love one another, it has to start with forgiveness. His own body paid your sin debt. Jesus paid it such a terrific price for for my brokenness, for my sin, for my junk. There's no record against me. He put it on his tab. There are no more debts against me. I am free and clear. I want to tell you something, folks, that what Christ has done for you, what he has done for me, we can extend that to others. We were all once runaway slaves but we are found and accepted by Christ. Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for how you love us right where we're at, how you call us sons and daughters. Lord, I ask if we are struggling with that piece of forgiveness or unforgiveness or struggling with even forgiving ourselves on on different things, Lord, may you just remove it and take it like you said you would. I thank you for this morning. Son's amazing and powerful name we pray. Thanks again for listening. If you've got more questions about the church or community group options for connecting with East Lakers outside of Sunday mornings, I'd encourage you to check out our website, eastlaketricities.com, or better yet, download our app by searching East Lake Tri Cities in your favorite app store.